This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. See, if you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, or ushers will get you the Word of God. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to do just a little bit of an interruption here. Some things happened earlier before the service. And, you know, sometimes we, we don't realize the people sitting around us, they're here today, but maybe in the natural, they shouldn't be here today. And I know we have several in here today that are, are walking miracles. So I'm, I'm going to highlight a couple of these guys because I want to stir up your faith here just so you see the faithfulness of God. Ken, why don't you stand up? I, I know Joseph back there in the back, Joseph Garcia. Ken had some heart procedures. Joseph had cancer. Both of these guys probably shouldn't be here today. Is there anybody else in here? I know others of you have had some cancer. Anybody else in here that you probably shouldn't be here today? Stand up. Yes, Ms. Garcia. I'm Ms. Rodriguez. I see you. Yes, yes. Hey, see, look, there's a bunch standing up. Stay standing, okay? See, this, this should stir us. He's a miracle-working God. He's, he's a Matthew 19 God. He, he still takes what's impossible and makes it possible. So we applaud Jesus for you guys still being here. Aren't you glad they're still here? You, you, can, you can be seated now. Off of that, maybe, maybe last week, maybe in the last month, you've gotten a bad report. Maybe you look and you say, Pastor, all hell is broke loose. If you're in need of a miracle right now, you are in need of God taking what seems impossible, make it possible. Stand up right now. Come on, be bold. Got a few of you that are bold. You say, Yeah, look, here we're jumping up. Praise God. I mean, there's a lot of people in here. I know many of you right now, some of the situations you're in. But our God is a restorer, our God is a healer, our God is a miracle worker. He's a God who he watches what's going on. So everybody in here, I just want you to stretch out your hands, these right now. Father God, every man and woman, every married couple that's standing, every single that's standing, we thank you, Father God, right now. You are the God of miracles. And Lord, as your children, we loose your miracle power into situations, into circumstances, into finances, into bodies, into knees. Father God, the things that each one of these are needing you to come alive and do right now, we welcome that. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. I don't do that just for the fun of it, okay? I really enjoy when the Holy Spirit interrupts my agenda. I really like when he does that. Well, you're going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Again, we get in the Word, God will get into us, and you're going to see this morning the significance of why we need to get into the Word of God on a regular basis. If I don't get into the Word of God, your heart and my heart will begin to harden. So we begin 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5. For our gospel, now the gospel is the word of God. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. So he gives us four right here, four ends. 
the gospel, the power, the Holy Spirit, and with that comes an assurance. Now, oftentimes, people will have the thought, you know, all I need is the Word of God, or all I need is the Holy Spirit. But in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, it says, the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So what that literally means, if you think all I need is the Word of God, what will ultimately happen is you'll dry up. But then the devil likes to take us to extremes. Then he takes a group of people that all we need is the Holy Spirit, but if all you have is the Holy Spirit, you blow up. But when you combine the Word of God and the Holy Spirit together, you grow up. And it's interesting right here, the four ends. He said, in the gospel, in the Word, in power, in the Holy Spirit, and much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So what he's talking about here is how we live becomes noticeable. Do you know I believe this? Your, your testimony is more about how you live than what you say. It's easy to say, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm this and that. But your lifestyle is more of a witness. So what he's talking about here, this assurance, is this deep conviction that the Holy Spirit moves with us in. Keep reading, verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, and having received in much word, and having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you'll notice in that verse, he talks about the Word, and he talks about the Holy Spirit again. you got to have them both. That's the balance. And the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God, and he breathes on the Word of God. And in Hebrews 4.12, he makes it alive and powerful, and it becomes a sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner of your thoughts and the intent of your heart. That's what the Word of God will begin to do. But it's interesting in this verse sandwiched between the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, he said there would be much affliction, persecution. And a lot of people, when you hear affliction and persecution, they say, I'm out. But when I read this, the gospel of Jesus is not a no-problem-free gospel, and it's not a fairy tale gospel. Understand this. When you are an authentic believer and you live by the Word of God, you're going to face some affliction, okay? Not everybody's going to rejoice in what you're doing. He goes on to say, verse 7, so that you became examples to all who are Macedonian and Achaia who believed. You became examples. Regardless of what you do in this life, you are called to be example. Wherever you work, you're called to be an example. Your life is on display. So I'm reading this article this week, and there's a pastor who on Sunday morning, he preached about integrity, honesty, and character. I mean, he went at it hard. The very next morning, Monday morning, he gets up and he's got to get on a bus. And so he gets on the bus and he pays his fare. The bus driver gives him back his change. Well, this pastor sits down. And he begins to count his change and he realizes the bus driver gave me back too much money. Now, a lot of people, when they get back too much money, they think, Ooh, God bless me. God didn't bless you. God didn't bless you. I'm telling you right now. So he's got more money and so he's getting off 
where his stop is, and he looks at the bus driver and says, hey, you gave me too much money. The bus driver looked at him and said, I know. He said, I was sitting in your service yesterday, and I heard everything you preached. And he said, I just wanted to make sure you were a man of character and integrity. Wow. Wow. See, we're examples. We are living, breathing, walking examples of Jesus. We are literally his hands, his feet, and even his mouth. Verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols. That's interesting what he's talking about here. And we live in a society where we think, we don't have idols. I don't serve a golden image. I don't serve a wooden image. But we do have idols. And let me give you the definition of an idol. An idol is anything or any person that takes the place of God in your life. We got idols. The idol of football is coming around big time right now. And I know some of you are in mourning between what happened to the Chiefs on Thursday night and to the Red Raiders last night. And so let me go, let me keep moving past all those. But you're gonna you're gonna serve someone or something. Doesn't matter who you are. And so he says here, they got away from the idols, and they are to serve the living and the true God. Again, you're to serve. Now think about the word serve. To serve means you are on display. You are a living, walking example. He didn't say about serving. All you're to do is talk, talk the talk. He said, you're going to serve. And so when I read all this with the Apostle Paul, he's the author here. He doesn't complain about the society. He doesn't complain about how ungodly the culture is. He doesn't even complain about Nero, who was the emperor at that time. The Apostle Paul knew this, that the only thing that changes people is the gospel and the power and the Holy Spirit. In other words, you got to change people's heart. And you change people from the inside out. And this is what he's talking about, okay? He said, we got to get the word. We got to get the power of the Holy Spirit in people and God will begin to move. Look with me in Galatians chapter three. Back to your left just a little bit. Galatians chapter three. Verse number eight. And it says in the scripture, the Bible, the word of God. The scripture is God's plan. You got, you got to stay with the scripture, okay? I don't care who you are. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Now, literally what that is talking about is the message of salvation, that you do not earn salvation, that you receive salvation by faith. He goes on to say, in the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, 
He preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Now, Abraham was one of the patriarchs. When you see in the Bible, oftentimes you'll hear God references the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's interesting that it says that the gospel was preached to Abraham. Now, I think in these terms, if the gospel was preached to Abraham way, way, way back then, think about all the men and women throughout history of the Bible that had the gospel preached to them, and they welcomed the gospel, and they gave their heart to Jesus, and they're going to be in heaven. The reason I highlight that is the same gospel that's preached to Abraham is still preached to me and you. It doesn't change. He ends in verse 8 and he says, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Verse number 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Literally what that says is for you are all true children of God. How? By faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus way back then was the answer. And Jesus is still the answer. Nothing's changed. Verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. You're covered with Christ. You're, you're clothed with Christ. So you may not have realized this, but Jesus is an outfitter. He clothes you. With everything that Jesus is, that's how he clothes us. Everything. Again, his desire is that we, we are living, walking testimonies of him. So he said, I've clothed you. Verse 28. Now listen to the neithers here. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now you know what that literally says? Every one of us sitting in here right now, we're all lost and we're all broken. Every one of us in here needed a Savior. This is what this is talking about. And so not only did every one of us need a Savior, we also need a thing called love, and it's to love each other. I cannot improve on that message. Love God, love people. Now, it's interesting right here that the Lord Jesus says that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one. So what this literally means, the last part he says in Christ, in Christ, distinction of race, rank, and sex neither hinder fellowship nor grant special privilege. In other words, when Jesus looks at us, he looks at us all the same. This is a call to unity is what he's talking about. But I believe what happens that we become people that we would rather major on the minors instead of minor on the majors. In other words, we would rather major on the things that separate us or divide us than the things that unite us. And I see this becomes a, a, a big problem 
more and more and more. But Jesus' desires, we, we come together. Think about this. It's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or free. We're all one in Christ. So this is what's happened to me in about the last 10 days. I'm, I'm reading some passages of Scripture and then just life experiences and in the book of Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 6, both have this phrase about Jesus, and it said, Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. And his compassion was toward people. Now listen to the definition of compassion. Compassion literally means sympathy, mercy, kindness in unusual or distressing circumstances. So part of your heavenly wardrobe that Jesus wants you to fit with is compassion. He wants every one of us to be filled with compassion. And so I believe that when we get born again, a part of Jesus rubs off on us and within us is this compassion. But what happens if we never do anything with the compassion? It just lays dormant on the inside of me. I think what happens with that compassion, instead of begin to, uh, begin to give it to someone, it begins to erode us from the inside out, where we become selfish. We become self-centered. So in, in Luke 1, where it says Jesus was moved with compassion, he was moved with compassion with a guy that was a leper. Now, we don't really understand leprosy in our society now, but in Jesus' time, a leper was not welcome in the city. He was an outcast. He was alone. He could not come to Christmas. And when you see there that Jesus was moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand to heal him, but Jesus didn't heal him from a distance. Jesus actually touched him. Which was a huge no-no. And so as I begin to look at the compassion of Jesus, when Jesus healed this leper, he didn't look at him and say, Hey, pal, are you a Jew or are you a Gentile? Are you free or are you a slave? He never, he never said, Are you male or female? Now you go and you study Jesus' life. He, he never did that to people. He never asked, are you born again of my Lord of my life? It didn't matter. When he saw a need, he acted. Think about this in John 8. There's a woman caught in adultery. They want to kill her. Think about just what Jesus did. He was moved incredible compassion to a woman that was a sinner, to a woman that he knew nothing about, but we go back to the verse, in his eyes, it's neither male nor female, Jew, Gentile, Greek, free, whatever, we're all one in Christ. And so Jesus has put compassion within every one of us. And maybe today that compassion that he's put within you needs to be erected or resurrected. It needs to come back alive. Turn with me to 2 Samuel, 
chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I believe the Lord wants to do something within every one of us here today. You know, salvation is all about people, but salvation is an extension of compassion. Now, I don't know that this has ever happened to you, but I pray this starts happening to you. This happens to me quite frequently. Sometimes when I become critical of people, anybody in here ever become critical of people? The rest of you liars, get your hands up, okay? When I become critical of people, I will hear the whisper of the Lord, and he'll say this, I love them. I love them. And in all my spiritual power, I say, I know. And he'll say, I love them. And it just becomes a humbling when I realize God created every one of us. He loves people. How do we know all that? We just read the Bible. For God so loved the world. Well, what's the world? People. And he said, and your assignment is in John 13, 35. He said, and they'll know you're my disciple by how smart you are. That's not what he said. He said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. But is my love on display? And I say this quite often. Is there people in your life, in your family, in your workplace, aren't a Christian because you are? Dang, that hurt. So we pick up here. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Now David... And this is King David, okay? This is the same King David that the Bible said he's a man after God's own heart. And David said, Is there still anyone who has left the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now think about this. That I may show him kindness. That means his desire was his kindness was to be on display. If you want to study this, just go to 1 Samuel chapter 20, and you can get the in-depth of it. So David says, and I want to show some kindness. I want to show some compassion. Now, let me ask you a question right now. How many of you in here wake up in the morning and you say that to the Lord? Lord, I want to show somebody your compassion today. What would happen if we begin to pray that? Woo, Lord, order my steps today that I, I come across somebody that needs to experience your compassion. Verse 2. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king. Now highlight this. Then the king, this is the dude in charge, okay? He's the king. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul whom I may show the kindness of God? Now this time it's a little different. In verse 1 he said, I want to show him kindness. But in verse 3 he says, I want to show him the kindness of God. I, I want to model the kindness and compassion of God. Now. Have you ever experienced compassion or kindness 
of God in your life? And I have. Thank, thank God for his compassion. Thank God for his compassion. So he said, I got to show somebody the kindness of God. It, it's almost like this fire was in. I, I, I got to show somebody the compassion of God today. The last part of verse 3. And Ziba said to the king, there's still son, a son of Jonathan who's lame in his feet. Now, Ziba makes sure that, that David knows he's lame in his feet. He's like saying, oh, by the way, king, he, he's lame in his feet. He's crippled. He's messed up. He, he's jacked up. And when you read into this, it's like Ziba is telling King David, you don't want to waste your compassion on him. He's messed up. So Ziba is wanting to disqualify this guy. That's his goal. But watch King David's reaction in verse 4. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he's in the house of Mashir, the son of Emil and Lodibar. And so you get immediately, Ziba wants to disqualify him, but King David says, where's he at? Where's he at? Verse 5. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Mashir, the son of Emil from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, and I said this in the first service, don't name your kid Mephibosheth, okay? Don't torture him. I better not tell that story. We keep better keep moving on. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. You got to picture this, okay? He's told King David wants to see you. Now, now remember, he's crippled. He's lame in his feet. And at the age of five, he was dropped by a nurse. That's why he's messed up. He was dropped. And I wonder how many people in here today feel like I've been dropped. See, we don't know. We don't know the insides of out of people. He was dropped. But when he's called to King David, he comes, he falls, and he prostrates himself right before the king. And when he does that, it's because he's afraid. He's fearful. How do you know that? Keep reading. Then David said to Mephibosheth, and he answered, here's your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. Do not fear. See, with Mephibosheth's life, his life had been hard. It had been difficult. It had been cruel. And the reason I believe he was afraid is I believe he was walking before King David and he's thinking, are you going to be cruel to me? Are you going to be hard to me? Are you going to make fun of me? Are you going to crack jokes about me? Because everybody else does. And so he's eaten up with fear. And, and I wonder... How many times people we get around are eaten up by fear because we've cracked jokes about them. We've made fun of them. Thank you, Pastor. You're preaching good today. 
So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness. I won't just talk about kindness. I'm actually going to show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. And so you know what King David says? Listen, pal, from this day forward, you're on the royal pension plan. And I'm going to treat you not only as a son, you get to eat at my table continually. And you eat at the king's table? You know what that means? Whatever you're hungry for, it's going to be there. David's saying, I want to bless you. I believe this personally, that every time we show human beings compassion and kindness, it strengthens our character. Something on the inside of us that Jesus put there is released. And when it's released, it's like, okay, I'm going to give you some more. Because every time you release it, something happens on the inside. So King David tells him all this. And you would think this guy named Mephibosheth would be saying, Oh, happy day. I got it made. But look at verse 8. Then he bowed himself. And he said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Why would you even notice me? Why would you even regard me? And it's like when Mephibosheth looked in the mirror at his life, it wasn't good. He was full of a lack of self-esteem, self-rejection, self-guilt, self-pain, self-hatred. It's almost like he's saying, I don't like me. I've made such a mess of me. And to a degree, he's telling King David, I don't belong. And I wonder how many people never come to church because they have that feeling. I don't belong. So I read this story. Many of you have heard this for years. Sometimes when the Lord does stuff in your heart, you never forget things. So 20 years ago or so, we're out at Briarcroft Court where we had a church on 50th and Q. And one Sunday, just like this, I was speaking and the, the door opened and this guy came walking in. I can tell you story after story of what I see when I'm preaching. It's incredible some days. But I watch this guy walking across the back. And I'm speaking and I, I just kind of watching him. And it's pretty apparent that the attire he had on that day was that of a homeless man. He stays for the whole service. After it's over, one of the ushers said to me, hey, that, that man wants to talk to you. Well, I'm, I'm just full of great compassion, guys. You know what my first thought is? I know what that means. He just wants some money. He just wants a handout. 
There's, there's my compassion. But he walks up and he gets real close to me. And he had on what I call leave me alone cologne. The smell of a dumpster. The smell of sweat. No bath. And urine. And I said, can I help you? And he goes, yeah. He said, I need to receive that Jesus that you talked about. I shrunk. I shrunk. Broke my heart. And that very moment, I heard the whisper of the Lord, and he said, I died for that smell. I died for that smell. See, it's kind of like Mephibosheth. We don't know how people have been hurt, how they've been dropped. We've got to remember in Jesus' eyes, there's neither Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male or female. We're all one in Christ. Look at verse 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. King David did what he said he'd do. But look at the end of verse 13. And he was lame in both his feet. And it's like he said, and P.S., don't forget he was lame in both his feet. Don't forget this was the dude that was all jacked up. But again, the Lord didn't disqualify him. The Lord said, I don't care what he looks like, how he walks, how he talks. He's worthy to be called a king's child. So I'm, I'm reading one morning here, here just recently after all this. And I, I come across this passage in Matthew 25, verse 40. And the Lord Jesus said, when you've done these to the least of these, You've done it as to me. Well, that passage talks about when you, when you feed the hungry, when you give drink to the thirsty, when you clothe the ones that don't have clothes, when you visit ones in prison, the Lord Jesus said specifically, when you've done this to the least of these, you've done them to me. Now, I think oftentimes we oversee this because what Jesus is really saying, I zero in on that, and I have special attention when you take care of the least of these. But if it's special attention to Jesus when we take care of the least of these, what does that mean when we ignore them, when we blow them off, when we treat them like crap? And that's in the Jew, the Hebrew. See, I believe Jesus is saying, we've got to love people. We've got to love people. You know, I'm, I'm careful with names, and I've shared this a little bit, but it's a little girl that comes to church here. I've never met her biological dad. I don't think she has. I've never met her biological mom. 
she comes to church here. Many a Wednesday, I stand right out there where I can watch her come. And just maybe all week long, the only place of security and peace and joy she has is when she comes here. We don't have a babysitting session here, guys, for our children. And I watch her, and she loves, she loves Ms. Dorn, Ms. Ms. Ramona. And it's to the least of these. I don't know how she's clothed. I don't know how she's fed. But the Lord begins to move within us with compassion. Where we look and say, Father God, we can't forget these. We've got to love these to the least of these. And my prayers for every one of us this week is we have to at least of these experience this week. So here's the question for every one of us. If you're born again, the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ is inside you. So the question is, what are you going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? And periodically throughout the year, the Lord will do this with me. Where there becomes a love for people that only Jesus can put. I'm going to ask you to stand up here. See, when I'm studying on this, you know what I heard the Lord say to me? Wake up. Wake up. That I want my compassion and my kindness to be on display. I don't know if you're here today and you need a fresh anointing of compassion. Maybe you just need to say, Holy Spirit, awaken within me compassion. Awaken within me that I, I see people, Lord Jesus, through your eyes. And I see people through your tears and I get to touch them through the very hands of God that created them. She changes me. Would you bow your head where you're at right there? I've had several encounters of these in the last few weeks. So as our team gets ready to play, what would happen just this morning? We came down and said, Father God, I welcome compassion in me. I welcome the touch of heaven within me. As they begin to play, I welcome you. That's a desire of yours. I just want to be filled with your compassion, Father God. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.